2: It's
0: January 11th, 1569, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca and Ali, The Retrospectors.
2: Amid the carnival atmosphere, it was on this day that the first ever British National Lottery winners were drawn in a custom-built wooden building on the grounds of St Paul's Cathedral a mere 18 months after ticket buying had opened. And do you
1: know what? The atmosphere around St. Paul's sounded pretty wild in any case, even before they got to the draw of this first ever national lottery. Apparently archers used to practice shooting at the statues on the building. Drunks urinated in the pews. Brawling and drawing swords in the streets was common. It was just the most sort of out of control kind of place, even before you had the superimposition of this quite circus-like atmosphere of this uh, lottery draw. Well,
0: that might sound bizarre by modern standards if you're imagining this lottery draw to like a modern one, you know, with a a machine spinning round with your big money balls. Uh, But it wasn't like that at all. It continued day and night for four months until the 6th of May. So when you (laughs) you suggest like, oh, carnival atmosphere, people drinking and urinating. Yeah. Well, across the course of four months, you have to drink and (laughs) urinate. This was like an endurance test just to watch the lots being picked. But the reason that there was a huge amount of interest amongst the general public who gathered there with tickets. Uh, was that the top prize, well, initially, the top prize was
1: £5,000. £100,000 in today's money. But then what happened, for reasons we'll
0: go into, (laughs) echoes of our Sinclair C5 episode from yesterday, wasn't the success (laughs) that the organisers had hoped. Uh, And actually, another reason why the draw was so prolonged was because the prizes had to be divided in 12 because they only sold a twelfth as many tickets as they'd expected. Which involves some pretty complicated mathematics on the ground <laughs> whilst they were determining who'd won what.
2: Uh, yeah, so the lottery was advertised as being with no blanks, i.e. meaning if you bought a ticket, you'd be guaranteed to win something, even if it wasn't necessarily the same amount that you'd paid to enter. But because, yeah, the, the prize money had been calculated on the assumption that they would sell 400,000 tickets, but in the end, they sold less than a tenth of that. So all the prizes had to be slashed, which meant that 11 out of 12 ticket holders would end up walking away with nothing, which must have been extra disappointing after having waited so long for the draw, which had been put off several times in an attempt to sell more tickets.
1: I mean, before we even go there, I think we maybe need to go one step further back as to the why of this whole thing. Why was there a first national lottery being held uh, in the first place? Lotteries had been around at least since Roman times and possibly even earlier. Sluice in the Netherlands had held a lottery in 1434, uh, for example, to help fund the fortification of its town. And Bruges followed in 1466. Though, interestingly, that lottery was to uh, benefit the city's paupers. But this was going to be the first ever time that a national lottery was held. And it was being held to rebuild the Ailing ports and the merchant fleet, which under Elizabeth I First had been vital to particularly England's cloth trade, which had been spluttering. And they thought, you know, first and foremost, we need to get our ports fixed up, and we need to get our boats in order. And so, uh, without being able to raise taxes for various complicated reasons—in fact, not that complicated, just the basic thing that no one likes taxes—they <laughs> um, they, they decided to hold a national lottery.
0: Yes, and there was a very serious defence purpose to uh, improving the ports and building up the Royal Navy as well, which was, as we've discussed in our episode from last year, Mary, Queen of Plots, uh, that Elizabeth was sort of single-handedly propping up this Protestant church of hers, um, whilst everyone else in Europe was not so keen on that. Um, So, you know, they were worried about future religious conflicts. Um, And it's interesting, isn't it, when you think about the National Lotteries We Have It Now that was established by uh, John Major in the 1990s in Britain, which has always had this element kind of filed under charitable causes, which is a bit of a fudge, Mm. of subsidizing infrastructure basically like cultural infrastructure you know soft stuff that you probably wouldn't spend taxes on but still the kind of thing that other nations do spend taxes on you know rebuilding town squares and funding public art and stuff like that and that's kind of what this was even then people realized that gambling could be used to pay for things that otherwise the state Mm -hmm. would have to um, charge higher taxes for
2: Yeah. And when Elizabeth I was initially presented with the idea, it was the brainchild of her very close advisor and Lord High Treasurer and Secretary of State, which you could apparently just be all of those things, uh, Sir William Cecil. He'd apparently heard about the lottery idea that was being done in Belgian cities to repair their fortifications. But when he told Elizabeth about this idea... She thought it was pretty tawdry, like you say, only because of the gambling connection. And she only agreed on condition that the ticket price be set extremely high to try and limit participation to the aristocracy. Because it was, I guess there was kind of this feeling that the paupers of the country shouldn't really be having anything to do with the Queen. You know, you don't want to go cap in hand to the yeoman farmers of the country asking for their spare shillings to undertake your projects. So 10 shillings was actually very high. I've seen various estimates, but it's maybe up to like a year's salary for a farm labourer.
0: But you could buy shares in the tickets, couldn't you? Which is, I suppose, exactly how it would work now, isn't it? Like if you launched, if if for some reason uh, the Queen was to launch a national lottery where the price of a ticket was, you know, 10 grand, then what you'd do is you'd have a syndicate, wouldn't you? They would all get together and Mm. put in 50 pounds each or whatever. And that's effectively what people did then. And they couldn't afford Mm. 10 shillings, so they put in a few pennies or whatever they could afford and... And then that complicated things as well because the big money prizes suddenly weren't so big money anymore and really complicated to work out who got
1: what. I think also in terms of the gambling risk, you know, there were two big barriers to entry. One was definitely the fact that uh, the ticket price was so high. But the other thing was that Elizabethans would have easily been able to work out that the odds of winning were one in 16,000. And yes, there were all of these booby prizes where you got a fraction of your money back. But really to get one of the main big prizes, it was this minuscule amount. Though, of course, today's lottery odds of about one in 14 million or whatever (laughs) would have been totally beyond their comprehension. But I think that trying to set up a whole new system of gambling that had odds that were that long must have been a deterrent for a whole lot of people.
2: However, the purchase of the ticket did come with a surprising bonus, which might have made splurging worthwhile. If you were a wanted criminal, you would be granted immunity for all your crimes except murder and treason for a seven-day period if you came into town to buy a ticket.
0: Can you explain why they did this, (laughs) Rebecca? I mean, I understand what's in it for the criminals. What is in it? for the? I mean, because this this wasn't really honoured. Like, the only evidence that we have that anyone tried to honour this was some bloke who was in jail, and it was then reported that he sort of pled clemency and this was responded to in jest or something, the report says. Like, no one took it seriously. Like, I've got a lottery ticket so you shouldn't arrest me.
2: Yeah, someone tried to pull it and he was just laughed at and then put in prison.
0: But why was it offered this kind of of real-life get-out-of-jail-free card? Why would the state (laughs) offer that?
2: Well, they got pretty desperate for selling tickets because all these promises had been made. And again, it was, you know, the Queen was associated with this promise that everybody would win a prize. And it soon became apparent that this was just not going to happen. You know, this was the first time this had ever been done, so it was impossible to predict how it would be received. But people proved extremely reluctant to buy into this, you know, this strange new scheme. And at one point, the organisers hired merchants to go around and try and sell tickets. They pressured local officials to drive up sales. So a lot of the tickets in the end were actually bought by parishes and by guilds who have basically been leaned on to buy as many tickets as possible. Mm. And for this reason, they kept pushing the draw back. And this eventually was starting to lead to some unrest because people were starting to think, is this some kind of a scam? When are they going to draw it? So they were finally Mm. pressured to make the first draw on this day in 1569, even though they'd only sold about 35,000, 40,000 tickets. So way, way, way below what they needed.
0: Although it still covered the cost of the prizes. I know that sounds like a failure, like you want to make a profit, obviously. (laughs) But the fact that so long had passed between announcing the competition and then the lottery being drawn did mean effectively the government had had a kind of interest-free loan from the public. So it wasn't a complete failure when it comes to supporting infrastructure. They did suddenly have money in their coffers to spend on other stuff.
1: That said, it wasn't quite enough to do all of the rebuilding of the ports that they were hoping for.
0: Worth saying as well, though, that uh, the prizes weren't just cash either. Um, So the the top prize was £5,000. Even that was paid in part in gold and silver tableware and, quote, good linen cloth. Um, but it wasn't so much like a modern national lottery as more like one of Andy Peter's giveaways on Good Morning Britain because there was a headline cash prize uh, but also tapestry and gold jugs. Like it was, you know, you look at the posters that are advertising it and there's as much emphasis on the jugs as the cash. I feel like if this experiment was run again, i.e. there was a top prize of, I don't know what it would be in today's money, let's say 10 million pounds, right? 10 million linens. but Exactly. (laughs) But everyone got a prize everyone got a prize and that could be some spoons or it could be some tableware i'd be more inclined to play that than the national lottery it's a bit like that for promotion in mcdonald's isn't it is it monopoly when every time you win oh, something yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. This, it's just like a refill on your coke yeah. but you still feel like you've won a thing
2: and i think probably that rush explains why despite the fact that this was a bit of a flop it didn't kill the whole concept of the lottery even in this imperfect first form people still had the bug
0: yeah, well it demystified, I suppose, what would have been seen as like an exotic European occupation, right? The fact that it was relatively reputable and people did actually get the cash when they did the draw was a proof of concept, wasn't it? People could then trust the state to do this again in four hundred years time. Tomorrow They'd do choreography, they'd work on their look and makeup, their body language, their self esteem. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash retrospectors